0: Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel.
1: Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening.
2: Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah!
1: Welcome to the Nerdist Writers panel series, an informal chat about writing and the business and process of writing. Each and every panel benefits 826LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information on 826LA, visit 826LA.org. I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage program in the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on iTunes and via Nerdist.com. Uh, I've written for the series Super Ninjas and Supernatural. Our first panelist has early credits on The Weird Al Show, Politically Incorrect, and News Radio. He's the creator of the WB series, The O'Keeffe's, and is credited screenwriter on Bruce Almighty and Click. Please welcome Mark O'Keeffe. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Our next panelist has written for the Touchtone television series Freaks and Geeks, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Gilmore Girls, as well as Las Vegas. And is the former showrunner of CW's 90210, please welcome Rebecca Sinclair. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thank you. With early credits on Dream On and The Wonder Years, our last panelist has written for Friends, Will and Grace, How I Met Your Mother, and Two Broke Girls, among others. He's the co-creator of Come to Papa and currently has two pilots in production. Please welcome Greg Malins. <laughs>
3: football game style. There's nobody there. Nobody to high
1: five. Tell me about pilots that you guys have been working on lately, about the pilot pitching and selling process and uh, how it's been for you this past year. Um, it's not been good.
3: <laughs>
1: what be happened? Honest.
3: I uh, had been in a, on staff one way or the other for 10 straight years. I've been in a comedy room for 10 seasons. I decided I, need, I needed a break. And I needed to just kind of not work on staff anywhere. <clears throat> and that was great. It was so fun for three months. And then I started to go nuts. I wasn't leaving the house like at all. My wife was like, I think you need to go out. <laughs> like, I haven't, hadn't left in like two days. Because why? There was nowhere to go. <laughs> so um, it got lonely and kind of a bummer. But in the end, it, it worked out well. I have, uh, I have a pilot at CBS starring Patrick Warburton who I know just did a a podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I didn't listen to it because I can't listen to that guy anymore. (laughs) His voice is so uninteresting. (laughs) Um, uh, So that's going all right. We don't shoot for a little while. So we're still casting it. And then I have another one that I wrote with my friend Bill Lawrence of Spin City, Scrubs, Cougar Town fame. Anybody? Hold your applause. (laughs) He's a great guy and one of my best friends for 20-some years, and we had never worked together, and we decided to write the pilot together. And so that is, it's called Ground Floor, and that is at uh, TBS, and we're filming that one as
1: well. That one's almost all cast. Great. Uh, let's talk about the network pilot for a minute. Um, well, they're both should networks. Should
0: we leave? Right?
1: Or? <laughs> <laughs> the, bro- the broadcast network pilot? I don't know how people put it. Um, were you, uh, were you under a script deal? Did you write the script? Did you pitch the script? How did it work uh, from the beginning on the script? I, uh,
3: yeah, I'm under, I was, I'm under a deal at Sony, which is a weird thing, because that pilot I told you about with Bill.
1: <laughs> Big uh, uh,
4: Sony fan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Congratulating Sony. Um, uh, so the pilot I wrote with Bill was un- when I was under my Warner Brothers deal last year. And it, but it didn't get picked up till this year, which means I'm not allowed to work on it. <laughs> what? Yeah, because that's Sony, you know, as they told me, not in the business of paying somebody to help our competition. And I said, I understand,
1: um, So the Sony- I,
3: I never go there.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've never been there to help out, to do anything, because that's not where my allegiance lies. Um, and uh, uh, so yeah I'm under a deal I I met with Patrick who I've just been a big fan of uh, for a long time and uh, here's the funny story about Patrick he was looking to do something met with a bunch of writers didn't click for whatever reason Patrick Warburton is the biggest Pearl Jam fan you've ever met in your entire life (laughs) swear to God like the highlight of his life is they let him pick the playlist at a concert and he knows every song you know those weird live albums they constantly keep releasing that have like a hundred songs on them he knows every single one and knows the words of every single one and every day wears a different Pearl Jam t-shirt <laughs> true so we met and he started talking about Pearl Jam and I said you know I went to uh, middle school and high school with one of the guys in Pearl Jam which is true And then that was that. Then I was the guy. And so then um, he said, we decided to work together. We came up with this idea about a retired baseball player who uh, um, has decided he wants to get married. Like he was spent his whole career, you know, it's actually a good plan. He spent his whole career just getting laid as much as humanly possible, which is a lot if you're a pro baseball player. But never get married. Never have a relationship because you're going to cheat on him. It's going to be ugly. So the second you're done, get married. And so now he's kind of looking for a wife and, and that kind of thing. So uh, we sold it, went out, pitched it. CBS, you know, offered the most money. It seemed like the best spot because they loved him from Rules. So uh, we ended up at CBS and now we're making it. Cool. Uh, and, and it's a great pilot. It's very funny. And uh, Did it, you read it, it, it? I did read it. It was terrible. It was yeah. not <laughs> terrible. But there's a rewrite that went out. L- literally two words stayed the same. I changed the Are A story. Kidding? No, I changed the A story, the B story, rethought a character. That's it's crazy. completely different now. Why, why all the changes? I didn't like it.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. What didn't you like?
3: We're going to get into this. Well, there was no story, for one.
1: Yeah, but that's a sitcom, right? <laughs> you got to have some <laughs> semblance of a
3: story. Um, it's such a long story. The, the, the version you read, I wrote in 36 straight hours. All right. So pretty much straight. It was, there's the, the story's too long and boring to get to it. But, oh. but uh, and anyway, it was shitty. I mean, it wasn't good. In kidding. my mind, so I redid it all, and now I think it's a lot better. Cool, that's great. Yeah,
1: uh, and, and nobody else does, but I
0: do. I so, uh,
1: Rebecca, talk to us about uh, your experiences this past year. With you had a couple of things in development as well, didn't you? I did. So, so tell us uh, where you were coming from. You were coming off of Nine Hundred Two One Zero, is that right?
2: Well, I'd actually taken a year in between. I took. Oh, okay. I um, I left Nine Hundred Two One Zero eager to write my own stuff, and I. Um, decided I'd write features. I was going to, like, write a features, sell them, start a feature career that could allow me to move to Europe, <laughs> write, and start writing novels. And I was, like, determined and, and diligent, and I made a little chart of, like, you know, I was going to... I can't remember how many days I was going to do it in, like... Uh, you know, something, you know, it was, like, I'll, 60 days for the first one or something that seemed sort of reasonable. I was used to writing a script in, like, Three days, I surely could do that. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a month, I don't know. But I, um, so I worked really hard. I didn't, I like went straight from running a show and uh, working too much and being tired to um, like going down and working all day and, and, and being stressed out and, and tired um, when I could have been um, at the beach or like anywhere. Because I, so I wrote a draft of a feature. <laughs> And um, then I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to write something else, and I'll go back to that. So then I wrote another feature, and uh, before I could go back to that, the first one, it was sort of development season. So I spent an entire year writing these two scripts, neither of which are quite ready to show to anyone, Um, and it was crazy. I I am not in Spain, and I'm not um, writing a novel, so I would... um, yeah, I probably should have taken a break. So, but there was a year in between. So I did. Okay. So I came off did this year of, you know, writing um, bad first drafts of features. were <laughs> not bad, but let, like let me ask not you just
1: a, a follow up on that sure. for a sec. Uh, so you set yourself the schedule for these features, yes. right? Is this a way that you generally work? Uh, you know, do you set yourself certain goals? I mean, talk to me a little bit about getting getting micro on that sure, process.
2: Sure. Well, I mean, I like. I feel like I have a two and a half year old and she's about to start nursery school. And I feel like I went from nursery school to kindergarten through elementary school, middle school, high school, straight to college. I like within a year was out here. I got a job. I was like, I basically hadn't stopped, um, Mm -hmm. since I was three, um, like being told what to do and having a schedule, um, uh, sort of put, put forward, uh, to me and, so I was, I haven't, this, it was like the first time I ever did anything by myself almost. You know, like I, I've obviously written things um, on my own, but mostly I've uh, been, I've had the structure of a work environment to tell me what to do when, and I've kind of um, thrived, I guess, um, comparatively because of it. I think having um, things do at a certain time makes me um, get them done, and, and feel like, oh, I understand this, there's an assignment, I get it done, I get praise or criticism or whatever, <laughs> like, and I do another one, and, and there I was, so I kind of tried to apply that same thing, and in retrospect, I mean, I'm, I joke that I should have just taken the time off, but I really do think I should have, because I didn't, um, you know, it's like I really, really believe about writing that sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard, and when it's easy, it's good. And, like, it's always ho- – I mean, it's always hard. It's always tiring. It's always whatever. But, like, when you're on to something that's good, it's, like, when you fall in love or anything, it's, like, it just goes kind of easily and it happens. And, like, when it's hard – it's always hard. You're always hard. But, like, when it's really, really hard, you're not, like, quite kind of doing it right. And so not to get, like, you know, too – out there too fast but um without like acclimating you you know <laughs> but um i don't want to give you the the spiritual bends but um but i do think like you know it, it's important to recognize as a writer that you are writing from yourself and so you should like you know prioritize yourself and like your creativity and not just be like okay i'm going to Get that done and like write it like mm-hmm. I was so aggressive with myself and so um, such a stern taskmaster that anytime I like would go somewhere wacky I 'd be like no get back the task is this the job is this the movie is this and I didn't allow myself the um, sort of space creatively to let something to, to get in a place where I could facilitate the easy flow of something sure. so that that was all like the, the to say no. I didn't start this year. I did that year in between, and so then I right. and then I went into development. Um,
1: and did you go into development season in this same kind of headspace of getting things done? I mean, I, yeah.
2: I, feel like you, you I mean, I've only recently <laughs> woken up. I mean, honestly, I did, and I was like, okay, well, now I've just got to sell the stuff to support the, you know. P- con- contribute to support to the to the uh-huh. drugs. Europe. Oh, Europe! Support Europe. I the financial crisis in Europe is due to my. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you get go to, to Europe. Europe. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. Go yeah. I got to go to now.
0: Europe. <laughs> well,
2: um, yeah, but also like you know the mortgage, the nanny, the car, the family, the you know, whatever, shoes. You know, like <laughs> like um, gambling. Yeah, but um, so yeah, so I I think I did initially go out with kind of this. Um, slightly uh aggressive or like just determined um attitude which uh a a pinch of that is useful but I um at this point I'm seeing like oh the ability to like go with the flow and find the good stuff and just like calm down a little bit is actually makes it easier so yeah I started like I worked to do development season I was like okay well let's see and I met with this one producer and and he sort of suggested this thing, and I was, or I suggested something, and it wasn't like a really good match, but I was like, okay, he sells a lot, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go out big, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna, I, 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 and then with that money, then I'll do what I really wanna do. And it's like, I guess this is what I'm saying over and over, like, don't do the thing to be able to do the thing that you wanna do, just do a thing that you wanna do. <laughs> because I, 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 I did, I like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna sell this thing, and I worked like crazy taking what was maybe a, I was concerned would be a too commercial idea for me or too like broad. And I was like, in order to make it mine, I got to do all this work. So I worked for a pilot, like in a way you really shouldn't. I worked for like three or four months, like deeply researching this thing and went out and there was a real mismatch between me and the producer and we didn't sell it. I went to three networks and didn't sell it and like freaked out and um, you know, like honestly, had such a bad headache, I went to the hospital. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Yes, I know. Well, and I'm gonna tell you all my medical secrets. <laughs> no, but no, but I, I really overemphasized that one thing, and then once then I was like, oh dear. Okay, and I kind of like beat the beat the you know stuffing out of me or something. And then it was like, okay, and I kind of for the rest of development season things started to sort of fall. Together and I found some really sort of fortuitous projects came my way and now um yeah, I wrote uh one about a, a a pop star who may or may not be a faith healer. Um and it's like the first thing I'm proud of, honestly, since like you know, college, like it's like, oh, this is my voice. Like, I'm not, I mean, I'm proud of my ability to like mimic mm-hmm. show writers or, you know, follow a thing, but it was something that really felt genuinely original and sure. mine. So that was cool. And then this, I'm still writing basically for various reasons, and mostly because it took me so long to sell the stuff last season. I am still writing, the other one of mine is set in um, uh, Southeast Asia and uh, is about sort of young women traveling. And so I'm working on that now while starting sort of the next round of development. So I don't know. I don't like selling things. I don't like... It's like a different part of my brain, and I guess my where I'm at right now is like, how do you not like turn off your creative side and not become this, like, I don't know, um, you know, tough, angry, fake, selling, you know, fancy outfit-wearing person <laughs> when you have to like go out and do that? Like, right. how do you... S- how do you not, like, bifurcate into these it's two people? It's funny, because
3: this last year for me was like... I was like, I can't do this again. Like, this dog and pony show. I'm so excited about <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like... I yeah. told myself, I was like, I'm not doing this again, ever.
2: I mean, <laughs> it's hard. And you're like, you go in and... I mean, I guess once I kind of, f- like, failed in that way, it was good, because it was like, oh, yeah, then... I don't know, you're just kind of, like, dazed. And then you're not... um Oh, I don't know, so hyped up. Like, I would, just really, like. They don't
3: really want you to come yeah. in there. Like, it's all, there's a lot like, of phoniness, yeah. and
2: everyone's really tired. Yeah,
3: they've like, hear stuff all and the time. And you're like,
2: oh, the parking is so crazy here. And they're like, I
4: know. Like,
2: like you've said it 15 times, they've said it 15 times. Yeah. They're like, how is the traffic? You're like, terrible.
4: Yeah, there's an obligatory level, like, degree of small talk. I mean, these executives are all very smart, nice people, but there's like, you get in there and there's free water, lots of free water. You <laughs> yeah. end up with like tons of empty bottles in your car, and then you know you talk about chit chat for a while, and then suddenly you're supposed to sense when it's time to <laughs> dive into yeah, this thing just... headlong yeah. because their, their next meeting is coming
3: in like half an hour. Their job actually seems a little bit worse. Yeah. yeah, I always feel bad for me because <laughs> if, if I think that I have to face like 15 <laughs> of me a day for like four months, yeah,
2: oh. but I do, I don't know. God. But they, 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 they like, it's a weird, it's like half social and half, um, like a lot of work. So you're like, you try to like seamlessly go from like you know. Oh yeah, like blah blah blah, whatever you know. Vacation, wa- this water, ha-ha. Yeah. and then and then you seem to go. Like, well, that reminds me of uh, you know witches and,
0: and,
1: and like witches,
2: is, hey, witches, get melted in water and like. Um,
1: what is your what is your pitching style?
2: Terrible. I think I'm really bad. Uh, well, so
1: I'm it's bad. really tough. I mean, this because comes up a lot on these I panels. I don't
2: think. To, I mean, Mark hasn't even gotten a chance to talk. No, so, I'm I not mean, curious. I, 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 we'll I get to a minute. But, I, but I'd like to sure you teach Oh, I mean, I memorize, but I don't memorize. I mean, I, I,
4: I Do you go outside. in without paper?
2: No.
4: Do no. you go with paper? Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah I, 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 with read, read, I basically read verbatim.
2: You know
4: what
3: it's
2: like? <laughs> I I, I, had pitched, I
4: pitched
3: at NBC, right? And I came out and um. What's that guy's name? He's like. I can't believe I'm spacing on his name. He starred in Arrested Development. And, and, Jason and, Bateman. So Jason Bateman is going in. <laughs> is, you do? I do. He's a great guy. Really nice. But anyway. Super so he was going in to NBC as I was coming out and I knew the guys he was with and we stopped and we were talking. And he looks at me and he goes, what's that? And I go, it's oh, my pitch. And he goes, you bring notes?
0: <laughs>
3: I was like, yeah, I do. And he was like. We don't have any notes. Uh. I mean, he was fucking with me, right? But I was sorry. just like, I was like, oh, sorry, no notes. I
2: didn't realize.
3: So I've only referred to him as no notes from there on out. But he sold his to NBC and I did not. So,
2: but it's sorry. It's no. like you don't he get to see other people pitch. I mean, that's the weird thing. It's like, I don't yeah. know. It's like, it's like, um, it's like sex. It's like, you don't know how other people do it. <laughs> it's like... I mean, there's no... And there, I don't know, but, like, you don't... I really there's
4: don't no know. There's no channel on the internet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Uh, but apparently,
4: not eye noticed. contact is important. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: but, I, but like, I really don't know... I think I'm a little too phony. I don't know. And I talk too... I'm way too long. Like, that's the thing. You're supposed to be short. Like, you're supposed to be... What did I say? 15 minutes or something? Under well, 20 minutes. And I'm always like, has it been an hour? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I just... I, I have trouble try to talk really fast but I have trouble. You just, I I feel like the development process they should just be like, these are people we're interested in based on things we've either read of theirs or like amazing conversations we've had with them and then (laughs) let's brainstorm, you know, hear what they say and like have them sort of brainstorm and then trust them because you end up doing so much work and then you have to I don't know. Put on this. I, I don't
3: know if It'd the skills if of It would be
2: great if a form or... you could just fill out. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You
3: know, here's the character?
4: Yeah.
2: You know,
3: like, what are you... Totally. Where's the humor? Well, we're coming close to that. Season arcs. That's awesome. There's a thing for um, that my, my son plays Little League Baseball, and there's a thing called Game Changer, which is an app, a thing you can get. And what they do is they put in all the stats as they happen, like the announcer guy. They have a little announcer guy at the field. And um, you can follow it online. If you're not there, you can see what's happening just with the stats. You know, it's like this person's up to right. bat, strike one, strike two. But at the end of the game, they have a recap story. And it will say something like, you know, um, you know, Malin's pitches two innings um, and gets to, you know, whatever. The, the Marlins couldn't get anything going when when Johnson was on the mound. And it was like this really nice thing. And you read it at the end. The whole thing is generated by a computer based solely on the stats of the game. Oh called narrative science, and I was like, "Well, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> we're done." But what you're saying is, it's pretty soon it'll just be they'll just be an app, and it'll say, you know, dumb guy, slutty girl. Um, hey, i
2: slutty guy. Get the variables hello. going, or, but
3: you can choose. That's the okay. like beauty. He, this guy writes the best pilot writing program. That's what you'll be. They'll be like, we got to bring this guy in. His algorithm for pilot writing is phenomenal. Yeah. Or he's better than anybody. And the computer will just generate your pilot.
2: Maybe you should That's do hilarious. your kid's baseball game as a pilot. Wait, isn't your base? Oh no, it's a baseball, professional baseball player. I was like, "But well, it I is your pilot! It, it, oh my god!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little like, I, I,
4: I've actually tried to come up with movie ideas that are the same way. Like, I'll, I'll have variables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be like yeah. X becomes yeah. Y. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: But it's like cards. Yeah. You could have a playing cards or mad libs. Like, you know, when, <laughs> it when like <laughs> an yeah. when a noun when an when an adjective noun. <laughs>
3: yeah. you can sell a romantic comedy like that, I
4: swear to
1: God. Mark, I want to hear about that. Has that has that worked for you?
3: Uh,
4: yeah, <laughs> to some extent, yeah. I mean, but yeah, it, it's like there's a there's certain it makes it sound very cold-blooded, but there's certain kind of uh There's actually a book Save the Cat which kind of goes into like the, the crude It's not a great book. I really enjoyed that book. I'm so glad to hear it's that, really that. Other smart. people yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Pitches anyone kind of anyone line. kind of does that, you know, when you're particularly when you're first trying to like uh, write your first specs or write your mm-hmm. first screenplays or whatever, you know, you, you get all the screenplay books or all the, you know, but it's very hard, like, to go from, you know, to use, like, the art of dramatic writing in any really, well, actually, that, that, that's sort of the practical book, but there's all, like, um, like, Aristotle's story, Poetics, you know, perhaps? like, Aristotle's yeah, using Poetics? something like that, or, or, like, I know story was, in oh, yeah. adaptation, there was, like, a whole funny thing about, yeah. like, uh, the hero going to uh, talk to Robert McKee or whatever, and and it's like this impenetrable tome. So like something that sometimes like hanging your hat on something as stupid as like a, just a total, you know, several variables can kind of get you started, yeah. and then at least. Um, but yeah, these pilots. Uh, like I actually want to hear about the TBS one because I I feel that the TBS is perhaps one of the greatest networks around. So.
3: Well, I would, so far, I mean, I wouldn't know because I don't work on it, oh, right. um, but uh, well, the other one sounds incredibly funny. TBS is great. They seem like they kind of know what they're doing. I think, I honestly believe they're ready to have a breakout comedy. I mean, the fact that repeats of the Big Bang Theory is, are beating NBC wow. <laughs> regularly, um, but yeah, I'll, well, talk, I'll talk about that pilot if you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, so you and you and Bill have known each other for a while and decided to do this together. How did yeah. you guys work together?
3: um like how actually did we work together it was great he's more of a uh he's a well he's a harder worker than i am um so he not that he was a taskmaster because he's not but it was like he he's very busy he was certainly busier than i was in my year of doing nothing um he uh so it was like you know we had our time and we had our days and we worked and it was fun it was a blast i mean you know We've been joking around with each other for years and years, and now we got to joke around and, and write a script. But it's based, kind of, we both had similar ideas. I had this kind of idea of um, I didn't go, I didn't go to college, so. Take any, everything I say with kind of a grain of salt, because I have no education at all. I was not taught anything. Um, you said you were working like crazy, like from three all the way to high school. I did nothing in high school, so it was worked out well. But anyway, I always had this idea that when I first moved here, I ended up working with all these people who went to Harvard and Yale, you know, and for a while we were all PAs together. You know, and I was just like, geez, what, th- what was that about then? You went to Harvard?
4: <laughs> <laughs> you did that? And, at college. That's fantastic.
3: I didn't go to college. And, and, and a lot of the guys, you well, don't it wasn't, need to go to college. believe me, it wasn't like a conscious. <laughs> 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 and there was no college that wanted me to go, so it worked out well. And, um, and so it was kind of like, so for a while I kept thinking, I was like, God, I like, and these guys who were, who, while they were in college, I was like, I had better lives than you did. You know, I was just kind of having fun. And you guys were, you know, these these guys were working 100 hours a week, whatever, studying and all this stuff. And I was like, I was just down here. I moved down here at 19. I was having a blast. And, you know, um, and so we kind of came and he had a similar idea. We came up with an idea. It's kind of upstairs, downstairs at a workplace at a high end, um, uh, like a like a, maybe a hedge fund kind of thing, money management place. And so it's these guys who went to Harvard Business School, worked like crazy, all the time suits and the whole thing upstairs and then this kind of support staff who's downstairs and this one guy ends up hooking up with a girl and he's and she through that she fucks with him a lot but he kind of starts to realize shit are these guys lives better than mine like i have tons more money than they do that's for sure but i think their lives are better than mine and so it's the, it's a really slow realization for him but that's kind of the premise of the uh, of the pilot
1: uh, and and so you guys both came in with you know in the, playing in this world and when you put your heads together yeah, it came yeah, up with yeah. premise. Um How did the did you guys pitch it? Did you write it uh, yourselves before pitching? How did how did that process work? We pitched it and then wrote it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and for the writing, I mean, you know, like you say, Bill is busy. You both have a ton of experience. How did how did the writing? I mean, give us the nuts and bolts of it. How did it break down? Um, there wasn't
3: one word. Well, I don't know about that, but there, we never wrote separately, ever. Really? We only wrote together in the same room, and that was on purpose, because that's because we wanted to work together, so right. why sit at home and write if the whole point was that we get to work together? Um, you know, Bill is he's just insanely funny and a crazy talented writer, and uh, he had done Spin City, which was a big hit, obviously, and then he did Scrubs. And he, had, he was doing Cougartown kind of at the same time. So the first day was like, buddy, because it was a multicam, right? This is a, in front of an audience show, the one we wrote, the pilot. I was like, that's not going like, to work. <laughs> like you can't end a scene like that you gotta have a big joke at the end of the
1: scene so the first day sure he'd been doing scrubs for what 11 years yeah and he was just like I know I know
3: shoot like because he just had to break out of his single camera thing a little bit it took about half a day well what is Um, the difference
1: in that language let's talk about that for a second then we'll um, we'll move on
3: you know what it's subtlety really Mm -hmm. Um, you can get away in a single cam with really clever subtlety and watch Two Broke Girls, and you'll realize you can't,
2: <laughs> or
3: any of the other ones. You can get away with some of it, but it's like it's got to be, you know, punch in the face, funny jokes. Mm-hmm.
2: But wait, I guess I have a question about that. Why, is that? Just because? What, is it a function? Um, is it because they're slightly d- uh, two different genres, and when somebody hires you to do a multi-camera show, they expect a different tone, or because you actually think a subtle? Could one do a subtle multi-camera show? Um, is it the function of the live audience? Could, or like, it, that's it, it, exactly what it is. It's the or...
3: audience because if subtle. I mean, like, you've got to make 200 people laugh immediately. You just do. Or else it's going to feel like a right. bummer. Yeah. You know, 200 people going, huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. You know, like, at Will & Grace, it was, like, insane. I mean, we've, we replaced a joke that on any other show would have been a 10, and if it was an, you know, an eight at Will and Grace, we replaced it, you know, and it was always, you know, what you replace it with, dirty, <laughs> replace it with inappropriate. And well, the they audience, all kind of have their formula. The audience goes right. nuts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, good. We'll we'll come back to some of the specific uh, shows you've worked on in a minute. Uh, Mark, let's get back to you for a moment. Tell me about uh, pitching on feature films.
4: Okay. Well, this is something I'm I, curious I, I about. I mainly pitched. Uh, I pitch a lot of TV, too actually. Mm-hmm. So um but yeah, what these guys are mentioning, I, I have the same same experience. Um yeah, you get lots of very smart, intelligent uh and articulate executives and you go in and then they're just they just don't want to see more writers, you know, it's just much you your heart almost goes out to them cuz they just have to hear but they they try to be very, you know, warm and welcoming for the most part, I think. Um but yeah, in movies it's uh, well, the good thing about comedy, uh, pitching comedy stuff is, um, or comedy shows, is you don't have to have all the beats of the pilot, which is nice. Whereas when you're pitching a movie, you really have to have, it's like, I've always sort of felt it's easier almost just to write the spec, you know, just to write, to, to write the thing, because then you don't have to go and, and like, recite all you know like imagine someone just describing to you all the beats of star wars you know like it yeah. might it might drive you insane so it's a little easier almost just to write the thing um whereas in tv you you can just go in and tell them the characters and tell them the feel and you know they don't want to know the beats of anything so it's a, mm-hmm. a yeah and it might be better to be to have memorized it actually because I, I never memorize it and so there's always like, <laughs> I'm trying to read it and then I try to make that penetrating like, connection. Let me, just, let, let me tell you something Jason
1: Bateman is disappointed in you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's right right no somewhere notes. he's watching no this. And no shaking. notes he's shaking his head. Yeah. Um, and, and Rebecca you've pitched... Um, dramas uh, and so do you have to walk through the plot in that way I mean we've talked about this a little bit on past panels and that is the difference that we hear between pitching comedies and dramas I
2: mean honestly it's like again I don't know what you're supposed to do nobody tells you and nobody knows it's like I have no idea and maybe other writers are like lying to sabotage me they're like oh no we don't do any beats like, um, but, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine and then they, doing like, and then they like avert their eyes um, uh, yeah I think you probably have to know a little bit more about the plot because it's probably more um, plot driven to some extent and, and so you probably you know I, I feel like the, the thing that's in vogue right now with dramas is you pitch your first act like really in it you're like you know, whatever, mm. a, a car comes right at you and it stops and, like, two, <laughs> and you're you know. you're excited. <laughs> really excited. People, hula dance, and they're like, excited. Yeah. All this stuff, and then you get right to it, and then it's like, and and then she says, like, I am your mother, or whatever. And then it's like, <laughs> act out. And I always go, like, in a commercial, and I, I mean, horribly, I find myself always making the joke of what the commercial is, which is like, every time I'm like, don't say it, don't say it. and then I'm like toothpaste or, like, tampons. <laughs> I, like, I can see it coming. It's like, I, I will say one thing about pitching is you watch yourself. Like, I'm always, it's like a slightly out-of-body experience, and I'm always like, please don't do that. <laughs> please don't make that joke again, like, whatever. But I do it, I, I but anyway, I think you, the, the thing that's in vogue is you pitch your first act, and then you, like, very real, like, very, um image by image. And for a drama, you really are pitching like visual stuff and then you get to like some situation and it's like, and she says like, I'm gonna go to the city or whatever. And then, and then you say, now for the rest, of the will just sketch out the rest of the pile. And You'd go like, oh, so-and-so does this, so-and-so does that, so-and-so does this. But yeah, you do, you do do a bunch of plot. My drama is not like hardcore. I don't know what it's like if you're pitching a like serial killer thing. I don't even know, but my, so I'm a little bit funny. But, mm-hmm. but then uh, when it's serious, you feel like the room go kind of serious and you're, you, you are hard to tell whether it's like they are appreciating <laughs> drama or they're like, you know, hating it. And I, I don't, I'm not a great room you know, reader.
1: Uh, tell me about rooms, or, or let's talk or, about the 90210 yes. room specifically that you ran. Uh, uh, yes. Tell rooms. me, tell me about running that room. And was this the first room you had run?
2: Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's like a um, tongue twister I um, well no I mean you very often run the room as the number two mm-hmm. and so I I'd I'd, um, I'd uh, definitely did that at Gilmore Girls and uh, maybe that was really where I started do- running the room and so honestly as, as a show runner you very often well I don't know in drama in my experience you um, the number two is really the captain of the room and is like there all the time and the showrunners like pops in and is like, what do you got for me? And then like people tell you stuff, and then you're like, oh, sorry, I got a text, I gotta go. And then you come back and go like, where were we? And um, so they
1: because they, they're overseeing the entirety of production, right?
2: Yeah, because the showrunners doing production, so um, and and you're shooting stuff, uh, whatever, all the time, and there's uh, editing all the time. So you are kind of popping in and out. For the pre-production time, the showrunner is in the room all the time. So I feel like. When i do that, I would, like, that That was me, and, and I had a um, number two, Jenny Ehrman, who's just really great, and she uh, she would... She, then she sort of becomes the, the captain, and, and and you become the, like, you know, divorced dad or whatever. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, you're and I was like, hey, spot. we're excited, and, like, you were like, we're well, good. But um, what, did, what did you learn
1: on, say, Gilmore Girls that you brought to uh, 90210 when, you know, when the room was yours?
2: Gosh, I mean... I am a little old fashioned, I guess. Like I really, um, believe in hierarchy and I can't even, I mean, I sound like I'm this type A person. Like it's like I was working since nursery school. It's like I, anyone who went to college with me might like scoff at that. And, and, and the idea that I'm a hierarchy person surprises me. And yet what I guess I mean is it's such a particular environment and, and, potentially such a chaotic environment. And again, maybe in comedy you have laughs to really like, I I don't know, but like you have a real like active measuring system of like, whoa, like that guy's, people are paying attention to that person. In drama it's harder because someone could be like going on and on everyone's like nodding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're really going, this will never fly. So you, I believe in like, I I don't know why, but I would talk about it like the, the Chinese dragon in a parade and like the person running the room is the head of the dragon and you got to go with it. And like, what drove me crazy, um, like I get really annoyed with um, when younger or less experienced writers who aren't familiar with the sort of um, uh, whatever style of the room um, start like popping off with like different ideas in every direction. And like, I always feel like if the head of the dragon says like so-and-so is gonna commit suicide, I don't wanna hear anyone say like, Oh, I you know, I don't think they would or whatever. It's like or or like maybe they should murder someone and said like I wanna hear like I wanna hear like hanged, pills, uh, like I wanna hear like options for suicide coming at me and I don't wanna hear and then like later when there's like a lull, somebody might say like, Oh do you really think they should? Because, like, they're very happy or whatever and well-adjusted. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. But, like, I, I don't want anyone... So I guess at Gilmore Girls, I don't know if I learned it there. I learned it from be- being in a room for a long time and seeing when people got annoyed and when they didn't. And 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 maybe because I've been doing it for longer or, or, or unlike some, you know, whatever, pe- pe- people who came uh, who were, like, feature writers who were then running a room or, you know... For me, I've kind of been a bit of a, like... Military man, or whatever. Like, I've come up and I've, I, I don't, obviously, I think if the staff writer has amazing ideas, they should do it. But I also think there's a tremendous amount to be learned by just listening and, like, not, like, the hardest thing in the room is to, like, you've got something to say and you're not going to say, and, like, you have to wait for the right moment. And you have to sit there with this, like, hot, like, exciting idea. Like, and, and if it goes too far, you're not going to get a chance. But you have to, like, wait and wait and wait and, like, pop in with it. And, like, to me, it's like, it's like, um, Double Dutch, like jump rope, and like you have to like go like uh oh, uh oh. like should I like should I go in and then, like go in and like if you just are like I've got a great idea, and you smash into the ropes like the showrunners or whatever like doing the ropes are like what the hell like what do you...? so I I guess in terms of running a uh, learning to run a room like the things that I've learned over time are um, you know it's not like hang it is like hanging out with a bunch of your friends ideally in a way but it's not in that like I believe like for the for the it's the assigned hierarchy like certainly the showrunner and then maybe you start to learn like the unofficial hierarchy of like you know certain people who the showrunner really listens to or whatever who are really strong but like you've got a flow behind them to some extent like if you come into a room and start like trying your own like coos over in the corner it's it's not um cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not cool. Um, Greg, tell us how this
1: compares to a comedy room, because it sounds like, from what we've heard on these panels, a comedy room can be a lot more democratic, uh, but also a lot tougher.
3: It is, it is both of those. But you started in comedy, too, so, right? I mean, you were on Freaks and Geeks.
2: I mean, freak. I didn't know if Freaks and Geeks was officially a comedy or a drama, <laughs> but it was an hour long. I mean, like, maybe right. it's like half hour long. Greg like, uh, Freaks a comedy, and Geeks was right? not... It's a comedy. Like, I'd come out of... Um, the Lampoon, and I was used to hanging out with people who were like much ruder, meaner. Like, I, I, I was like going up and like I would come in like saying all sorts of horrible jokes at people, and they were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, um, I wasn't. It didn't feel like a like a crucible for me, like I, at all. Um, but yeah, I mean.
3: But it's everything you're saying is the same. Like when I started on Friends, I, I mean, it was it was intimidating. I didn't I didn't watch the show the first season out of protest. <laughs> Why? Because I was on a show called Dream On that was on like one of HBO's first series ever, and it's where I got my first so was ever paid to write. Mm-hmm. And um, does anybody remember that show? Yeah. Has anybody ever seen it? So,
1: it's actually, it comes up quite a bit here because it feels like a lot of really terrific comedy writers. Yeah, came out a of lot of great
3: movie. people started there. Were you so there with The
1: Green Sun? Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, I, uh, I was the black and white clip guy. Like, that was my job. I found those clips, or I had them all in my head. They were all in my head because I had spent, like, months and months just watching them all and logging them onto a computer and, like, in DOS. Like, I don't even think there was... I don't even know what there was back then. The, the search... The, the biggest search engine maybe you could use sometimes was, like, LexisNexis. Right? Yeah. This is that long ago. So, um, anyway. So, I wanted... I, th- at that point, I had no um, clear... Uh, desire to do anything really <laughs> but I had been a PA for I had been a PA for a long time um and uh, then I got this job as the researcher because my friend Kevin Bright who I not my friend my boss who I'd worked with as a runner for a long time he kept offering me these jobs like you know a system production coordinator on this i would get these little like six month gigs would show up something for Cinemax or whatever and I'd go no. That doesn't seem very good. That was like, then you're just like king of the losers, and that didn't seem very fun. And I liked being able to leave the office. That seemed great. Like, i could go deliver shit and just listen to music, and I watch my odometer go and know I got a quarter every time it clicked. And, and uh, I was happy. And then he finally called me and said, I found a job you're going to take. I found a job you're going to take. And I did. So I was the black and white clipper. And in doing that show, I said, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Like, something. I've got to. And I looked kind and
1: what, of. And how old were you at the time? Like, 19, 20? 20.
3: No, I was 20 probably. Probably 22, okay. so I've probably been a PA for about three years, okay. roughly, maybe two and a half. And um, I don't know I was the guy. I was the guy who liked it. I was like, "This is super good." And. Uh, <laughs> So I looked around, like kind of on the stage, like what's there to do? There's kind of a line that will take you to directing. That seemed like a bummer. I hung out with the editors for a while. That really seemed like a bummer. But I was in yeah. Some people like it. But, that, but I would go into the writer's room and work with the writers, you know, because I'd have to show them clips of stuff that we could use in the show. and They'd write to the clips, and I'd find clips to what they wrote for. And I was like, this seems like a really fun place. So I asked the people who created the show, Marta Kaufman and David Crane, if they essentially let me sit in the writer's room. I said, I'll be quiet. I won't say a word. I'm done with my work. Can I just come and hang out? And they said, yeah. Basically, they taught me how to write. And then um, I got a couple scripts there, and then I left to do other shows. Great Scott. Great Scott on Fox. Before Fox was a network, so we only got paid 50% for scripts. It starred Toby Maguire and Kevin Connolly by the way. Oh. I know. That's where they met
0: and became Ray friends. Scott.
3: Um, and And uh, so anyway, then Marta and then I did a couple other failed shows and then uh, Martin and David wrote this pilot about people in their mid-20s, right? And I was like, oh, phone's going to ring any second now, I mean, right? They taught me how to write. Who else? Who else do they know who's in their mid-20s that's a comedy writer? Never rang. It never rang and it got on. And it was people started to like it, and I was like, I fucking hate this. Shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and I had a partner at the time, and we fired our agent <laughs> over it, and I was really mad. And we signed up with Marta and David's agent. Who I had known because I was at Dream On when the agent would come by. And so we signed with them, and she got us a job. We came on second season of Friends. So when I started there, I was so nervous. I remember being in 7-Eleven, and they were on the cover of every magazine in the display. And I was like, and I'd never been on a show like that. I was like, this is going to be crazy, this show. And I don't think I spoke, I said very little for the first two weeks.
1: And was that the right move, then?
3: Yes, Absolutely. Because this was a group, anytime you go on to a show, and the staff is pretty much the same. There's only a couple of us new people. Because um, Jeff and Jeff left. All
0: right. right?
3: Yeah. And um, so uh, I just sat back and just tried to figure it out, very on purpose. I was like, i got to figure out this room before I start jumping in here. And so I was really laid back. And even years and years later, I went on Will & Grace. Um, you know, towards the end of the run of it, and I did the same. I was like, I'm going to just hang out, figure out how this room works, and before I really start jumping in there. And I think that's really smart to do, especially on an existing show. Yeah.
1: And, and uh, using either of those as an example, what did you discover? You know, can you tell us a little bit? Is there one one maybe that is a representative <laughs> comedy room? Um, Friends was insane that room <laughs>
3: because so. everybody was in their twenties. Right. And we famously worked like 18, 19 hours a day. And I think mainly because nobody I mean, we had six superstars that needed to be serviced every week, but also because nobody really wanted to go anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were all really happy hanging out with each other and we were you know, great friends and still are great friends. And it was just a it was just like I just laughed six years like you wouldn't believe Um, and it was just so much fun and so much passion and and we fought so much in a great way about just like no way, they can't get together he would never date a girl like that that's not Chandler, that's not and people were so, I've never been in a room with people so passionate about the characters and protective of the characters and so um, to me that's kind of the quintessential writer's room Mm -hmm. to me, um
1: Fun. And where there you know, we often hear it's like, and I think Bill actually talked about this. Where putting together a writers' room is like putting together a baseball team, uh, where everybody sort of serves a certain function in the room. Uh,
3: yes and yeah, no. Yes and no. I mean, you better be able to serve every function, mm-hmm. or you're not going to get the job. People always mm-hmm. say, I don't know if this happens to you guys. Um, oh, do you do you write for Chandler? Yeah,
0: right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Are you the guy that like writes for Chandler? And it's like. Listen, if you came in and interviewed for a job and you just go, I don't know about the other ones, but I really feel like I," can. like you're not going to get that job. You know what I mean? You've got to write for everybody. It is, what you really want, and I think what he means, is you want different experiences and very different kinds of people. And that's very true. Sure. Because, you know, somebody who's got the exact same experiences as me and the same sense of humor and would pitch the same jokes as me, that's not going to do me any good. Sure. You know what I mean? So you want all very different. You want different ages. You want different backgrounds. You grew up here, grew up there. You know. So, yeah, you want to try to cover as many bases as you can.
0: Uh,
1: baseball. I brought it back. <laughs> Good metaphor. Baseball. Way to extend the metaphor. Uh, Mark, let's talk about some of the rooms you have been in. And I'm particularly curious about stuff you worked on leading up to your own series.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, rooms are great for comedy. Uh, obviously, I um, pretty much all all comedies are written in rooms. Um, but yeah, I hadn't even really. I, I'd actually worked in the same uh, comedy, uh, you know, the, the Bright Kaufman Crane uh, m- machine that that had a ton of shows. Um, so I was. I think I was on like the second floor, and you guys were like higher up in this like amazing like paradise floor. So you had I was. Separate you person. can say the show. I mean, yeah, I was on Jesse. Um, yeah, and then they were also doing Veronica's Closet at the time. Yeah, this is Jesse. I'd worked previously. I'd worked on Letterman, um, and then, well, actually, I worked on The Weird Al Show. So I went to Letterman, then I was on in Politically Incorrect, and uh, worked Weird Al like very briefly somewhere in there. Um, and, uh, and famously, my my father was like. Uh, was really upset when the show ended. And he's like, "You go to Weird Al and you ask for a job." It's like, like, "Dad, the show ended. So, what are you gonna do?" Had I Weird done Al? That, I could maybe still be like traveling with Weird Al,
0: hitting the state fairs. Or but yeah, he's, he's really—he's
4: like, a really good guy. And, and then I worked on news radio, um, and then that ended. So, and then I, and then I was on Jesse. Uh, and bizarrely, that was the last show I was on. Um, I mean, I had really—I hadn't really been in many rooms, to tell you the truth. And then. And and that's the crazy thing is like I, I just p- randomly pitched this show, and they bought it, and then suddenly I was in charge of a show. So that's that's sort of the crazy thing that like if you can write specs and you you can actually break into the business and then be in you know be doing this stuff, and it's kind of intimidating because if you're like you know I think I was 29 and suddenly I'm like in charge of a show. It was like it was Sorry. it's bizarre, and so it's it's. You can, it's it's doable,
1: you know. Um, so what did you do? How did you handle that? Uh, this new responsibility for well, the I th- thriving I think
4: now Warner Brothers. There's Network? like the Writers Guild, maybe has like you know they have like a handbooks on. Like, well, they have a show runners, runners show program. Runners. I'm always yeah. like,
2: curious. Well, not curious yeah. enough to like ask or go, but you know. kind of curious <laughs> enough. Like, what do they teach you?
3: Yeah, I mean, no, no, you, you can't can. just go. Yeah.
2: You can't audit.
3: No. Oh
2: wow. <laughs> no, well, you, you, you
3: wouldn't. To- you'd speak at. Right. Is what you would do, but no, it's like That's a whole. It's like a, you write something, an, an essay.
1: You have to be yeah. then uh, recommended then, like, by a studio I think a showrunner. I think a showrunner has, like, has to a bring to you learn in.
2: When you're like, yeah, what is a grip? Like, I yeah, wish somebody uh, would. Yeah. I mean, there's you fake it for a long time. You're like, oh, grips or whatever. Like, it would be good to <laughs> know.
4: Because <laughs> as a showrunner, they they want your. You have to pick and have an opinion and actually make a choice on everything like down to just you know the the tone of the I remember the cinematographer was you know the dp uh you know brought over uh, i had to look at just very like minutiae of exactly how uh you know like i mean it was the video stock or you know there was various choices i i was had no idea anything about and so yeah it's an interesting sort of uh situation to be in like when you finally like Someone has decided that you can run a show, but it really is all based on on the writing ultimately, which is kind of the beauty of TV that you can you know if you can write these shows they'll put you in charge of the show, which is uh, crazy it's crazy yeah and in, in movies um, I guess well, I guess it probably has to do with the fact that you just have to churn out so many shows, so the only person who could logically be in charge is the person who's churning them out and is capable of producing or you know making the scripts so um but, yeah, it's a ton of work. And so it's sort of interesting, like, uh, like Rebecca was saying, that, um, you know, the showrunner ultimately then is, uh, by the way, I'm the person here who has showrun the least. So, uh, I mean, I, I had this one show. These guys have had done multiple shows they've showrun. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon when you just sell an idea and then suddenly you're sort of vaulted through the ranks and be like, okay, so what do you want to do? and then you're hiring all these people because you really suddenly you are a business. And, uh, so it's a a very interesting thing. You have to hire hundreds of people Mm -hmm. and,
1: um, just meet with, you know, tons and tons of, yeah. yeah, you're sort of the head of a corporation, head of a corporation. Yeah. Um, And all you know how to do is write.
4: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you you have to try to be, you know, mature quickly and, Mm -hmm. uh, and try to be a good leader and make sure that you're taking care of everyone and yet that you're getting good stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's a different skill set from just being a writer, but it's one that like if you get into TV, you have to start thinking about sure. because it's like it's just inevitable that if you stay in TV long enough, you they start doing pilots and you start you know people will want you to because there's so much programming that needs to be made and mm-hmm. uh, and you know uh, so it, it's it's to- basically it's totally doable. You guys could you know whoever is is a writer out there and wants to be you know. Like there's tons of, of jobs and tons of networks, and so I'm sure you
1: know you can all
4: you can all do it uh, and, run, let's, and, and run like eight, you know shows for eight, eight, eight episodes like I did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, talk about some of the individual the specific stuff you guys have worked on, and then we'll we'll turn it over to the crowd. Um, Rebecca, tell us about uh, was Freaks and Geeks the first writing job you had out of school?
2: Yeah,
1: uh, tell me about that experience. I don't think we've had any Freaks and Geeks writers here. Yeah, get into it.
2: Um, but write the I'll story. tell you the, real, the real story. <laughs> um, no, I... I uh, you know, I... Um, I wasn't sure I wanted to be a television writer. I, I knew I was a writer or, like, a painter or an actor or, like, a fashion designer. I really didn't know for sure, but I knew I was a writer. I knew I could write. I knew that was, like, the thing that, like... I could do without quite understanding how I could do it. So it was like something that was like, I had some respect for the fact that I could write. Um, But I didn't, um, I knew a lot of comedy writers and I didn't think I was a comedy writer or like a sitcom writer and writing jokes. And like, that wasn't me. So I, um, but, but I started, and it was a while ago, it was like sort of the beginning of the dramedy. And so it was like, um, I think Ally McBeal started that year and Buffy was on it. So there were these shows that were like kind of funny. <laughs> Northern Exposure
0: was a big
2: Yeah, right. Oh My So-Called Life before that. Like there were shows that were like kind of funny. Like I'm. that's why I'm I'm like kind of funny. Like, I was, like uh, it was like, no, it was, like the, you're oh, go on. But I, but I, <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, 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 I felt like, that that I could understand because it wasn't like writing jokes like hard jokes as they say and it and it wasn't like how many you know you got this many jokes per page and it was, it was more potentially idiosyncratic and, and character based and I was like oh okay and like with um, you know a startling lack of uh, understanding and forethought I <laughs> I sat down and wrote a Buffy. Um, Oh no wait Did did I Ally McNeil first I think And it was like Whoa Like I wrote it really Like I wrote it a couple weeks And nobody really told me how to write a drama And I just looked at it I got scripts um, Through friends That like could get me scripts And I Kind of like saw like Oh wait There are a couple stories here Because I also did not grow up Watching much television So I hadn't like um, I, 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 I was talking about this The other day Like I didn't understand that people wrote television like I don't know what I thought it was but almost like I thought it was a documentary like people (laughs) were filming (laughs) like I didn't think like people always say like I used to watch the credits go by and I remember those names it's like I didn't maybe watch the credit part, or like think about who those. I thought those were like the technical people. Like I didn't really know anything, and, and it was in college that I heard people talking about it. But then it was like, oh, they're talking about comedy, like that sort of different. I at that point I knew people wrote TV shows, but I didn't like I didn't know much about it. And I um, what the hell am I talking about? I don't know. But I I um.
1: But so, so for the Sally McBeal you oh
2: yeah. So I didn't, got some scripts. I didn't talk to some like authorities. I didn't read any um, books on mm-hmm. drama writing or anything. Did you I just watch saw, the like, show? Oh, yes, yes. Well, I'd watched it, and that was sort of what had inspired me at the time. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, at the time, it was kind of revelatory. It was like, it's funny, it's surreal, it's um, an out, it's dramatic, it's all these things. And I kind of looked at them and saw like, oh, okay, there's one story that's about this like law thing, and there's one story that's about the person, and then there's like another little story. And so it was like, okay, so then I came up with those and wrote it, and um very quickly and without like overthinking it, and then that was pretty good. And then I wrote a Buffy also that was like maybe not so good, but also written very quickly. Um, but maybe I think it was not so good because I then went on to write for Buffy, whereas like I had I written for Ellie McFeel, I would realize that was also not good. But I, um, I, uh, you know, what am I talking about, Freaks and Geeks? So I, I, I mm-hmm. wrote those and like, f- and, and, um, My uh, boyfriend at the time Was uh, a comedy writer Who was Who knew Judd And he was like Maybe I can get you A meeting with Judd I I had an agent And I was going on Some meetings But they were like an agent hip pocketed me i don't know if they say that so i feel like that's do you want like to explain what
1: that that means well, they do still say it.
2: i mean hip pocket means like they will take credit for you if you do well but not <laughs> if you don't really like they t- they like send you out on some stuff but like if you don't get a job right. they don't they don't have to do anything work for you are
1: certainly not a priority so
2: um but i like so i went on a bunch of things and like some were writer's assistants and like st- i remember things where i was like i am not well suited to this like this is an enormous amount of research, and you have to like be organized. And it was like, I am, I am, and like, you know, yeah. who knows? Like, <laughs> I like parked on a fire extinguisher or a hydrant or whatever. Like, I was like, so a lot of those beginning steps, I would have been actually quite bad at. I, I interned. I remember at some place. Or no, uh, what do you call it when you get a job where they send you out?
3: Yeah, oh, okay,
2: right No, off. like, um, no, like, you sign up with a service temp. and then they... Attend. Messenger service? No, oh, no, no, no. Temp. I was yeah. a temp. I was a temp. I was a temp and, like, I would answer the phone. I remember answering Word the phone with out. the person's <laughs> name. Like, they, they would page me from their office and I was like, hello, you know, so-and-so's office and they were like, I am so-and-so. And it's like, ah, like, well, I was, like, failing in all directions and then, it was like half of a year and then, um, so I was going to meet with Judd but then who knows what Judd was doing and, and I met with Paul Feig and um, and I was... Uh, oh, that's funny. It was, you know, I, I was really into 8-Ball comics. And I was really into um, Ghost World, which had yet to become a movie, and um, which I just see now out at Meltdown. There's like a special edition super Ghost World thing out there. But, um, uh, but I brought it because I'd, I'd seen the pilot of Freaks and Geeks and I'd, I'd read the script and I was like, this is really great. And I was like, I, you know what? You've just got to read this regardless of hiring me. And that is one of my strategies. Give a gift To someone, because they subconsciously (laughs) owe you. No, I mean, I really do think that's true, though I didn't at the time, obviously, I was like, I was really, you know, a fan and stuff, and, and, um, but I do think, like, they, I do try to give gifts to people now, because I think it works, but, um, but anyway, yeah, so I, uh, I sort of fell into it, like, Mm. oh, and then Paul and I really got along, and, and like, he was so real, and. I was like, oh, I don't have to lie in this interview. Like, I don't have to say I'm good at organizing things or, like, I know how to file stuff or can even work a computer. Like, I don't have to make – I don't have to lie about anything. All I have to do is, like, tell this guy the truth. And that was just amazing. It was like he's asked me about, you know, high school and he's like, I'll tell you anything. Like, I, I, I don't – like as long as I don't have to lie,
1: and and so you were hired as a staff writer, presumably. No,
2: oh, you oh, know no. what? Actually, that was sort of a sneaky thing Jed did. I mean, not really, but um, clever thing was he had us writing. Um, he had a couple people, me and John Kasdan. I was like really, I was like twenty two, and I thought I was really young, but John Casen was nineteen, I think. But he had us writing. Um, oh dear, what do you call it? Like a freelance mm-hmm. script but gave us the opportunity to go in every day. And I don't know if that's 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 like shady WGA, but I was thrilled. I was thrilled. And you go in on your first day and obviously it didn't keep up the whole season, but on the first day there was like a buffet of like bagels, lox, cream cheese. I was like, how many can we have? you can have as much as you want. And like free water, free everything, coffee, a desk. Like, it really was like it's still, there still are kitchens and refrigerators, and like for real, that is amazing. <laughs> um,
1: I, I want to pick up there in a minute, uh, but Greg, let's talk to you for a sec. Um, was a friend's script the first script that you wrote, or it got paid for? No. Oh, okay. So Dream what? On. Oh, oh, so you wound up scripting for Dream on. I as got well. two scripts oh,
3: okay. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and were you? I wrote already? one spec, okay.
3: and then. Um, basically like I said with those clips like I was the only guy that had every one of those clips in my head nobody else did and so they said we kind of need you to come back for a second season And, and I said okay if you give me a script and they said okay which was fine because they would let me you know I'd break it in the room with them which was great and
1: had you been sitting in on the Coffin uh, yeah. and Crane already? So- I did
3: that leading up to writing of my oh, okay. spec, which they thought was funny, I guess, but did, they weren't interested in buying it. Right.
1: But- so tell me some things that you took from that, because uh, those were both of those were really uh, like well structured sitcoms, uh, Dream on, and so the, all that Coffin Crane stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so tell me about you know what you learned from that, that that you can tell these people to help them structure their sitcoms.
3: You know, you need. I don't know it's not nothing that's going to be a surprise to anyone you need a story it's got to be semi-relatable and if it's not at least semi-relatable it's got to be so crazy and fun and funny that people are willing to go on the journey um and um you know there's a rhythm you know dream on was my first couple shows were single cameras and then i transitioned to multi and and um you know I don't know it was just it's just about joke writing and you got to get your jokes in and and you got to get you know and they can't be halves they can't be like I said the audience has to laugh like for real or else it's not going to work yeah you know what I mean and so it was just it's just experience it's nothing you can it's not that you have to just kind of learn it by being in there and you'll learn it as you go and more and more and more and I learned um you know the thing that ruins you know, that'll ruin your life after a while, as it did mine, which is just everything that happens anywhere. Anytime somebody's talking to you, anytime anything happens, you'll find yourself just cataloging it. Like, how can I use this later? How am I going to be able to use this? What's a joke I can use? And what's a story? And then you realize I'm not even having a real like interaction with this person at all. Like I'm just trying to catalog what they're saying and how I can manipulate it and take advantage of it. Yeah. And it is, it's a thing that that was one of the things I tried to get away from that the year that I was off, you know, because it's just like, and you got to be fast. You got to be fast. Yeah. You can't be, um, you can't be slow. Like how many times early on did I think I bet they'd like this joke? I bet if I pitched this they would like this and then somebody else pitches it and they really like it. And what are you going to be the dick who goes, "I was th- I was thinking that." I was thinking that before, just for the record, you know. But at the other times you've got to always be ready and be ready and be ready and one of the big the one of the you know, to me the biggest example of that was on Friends we knew we were going to London to film a, a, a finale where Ross was getting married to a British girl named Emily. And we knew there was gonna be a wedding, and Rachel was maybe gonna go, maybe not gonna go. And we were just, we had been banging our heads um, about what was the ending gonna be. We needed something, some kind of dramatic ending. Is Rachel gonna come in and stop it? Is she not gonna stop it at all, but that's meaningful because she didn't? Like all this stuff, and we were really for a long time. And then there was, and this is just an example of just kind of always be ready for that shit. And always, because the tape nights sometimes are kind of a party when you're taping. It's like people are goofing around and goofing around. Whatever reason, I just wasn't in this moment. But David Schwimmer came into the set and he was supposed to say something like, Emily, the cab is waiting downstairs. And he walked in and he said... uh He said, uh, Rachel, the cab is, oh, shit, sorry, I fucked it up. Let's start again. And he walked back out. And I remember going, it just clicked. And I just went, that's what he does. He says her name at the wedding to the other girl. And that was it. And that's what we went with. But it just happened because my mind was in that place still constantly churning. What was this ending? We were all having so much trouble. And David Crane said, no. His first response was no. Really? Yeah.
1: So how did were uh, were other writers behind? I just started
3: grabbing them all, going, "Guys, here's what should." Happen. <laughs> and then I think we just went as a group and told him we think this is what should happen. And he goes, "Yeah, that's great." Like <laughs> not. He was so in the taping that I don't think he even really. He was like, "I don't know." I he didn't really say no. He just kind of said, "I don't know." <laughs> but I knew. I knew. I was like, "That's going to be big" because I had never seen it before.
0: No.
3: On that's TV, cool. somebody getting married. But saying their ex girlfriend's name, that would be a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> now, now people who watch that show and then go on to get married, they're really thinking twice. They're making sure a they have that they're yeah. written on their names. hands. But
2: you say, like, honey. <laughs> yeah. Don't use names,
0: like, do you, ever. Do you take the honey? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, uh, very quickly, uh, Mark, tell us what uh, stuff, especially comedy stuff, you were into as a youth that kind of helped form the comedy that you like now oh, or, or make now.
4: Well, it's interesting because sort of like Rebecca, I actually was not allowed to watch TV growing up, but I would really? I'd sneak over to my friends' houses and watch it there. Um, but you know, just uh, actually, I read a lot of like cartoons and comics mm-hmm. um, and of all different kinds. Uh, and uh, yeah, like some uh, I don't know Monty Python. I, I basically read everything that exists because I wasn't allowed to watch TV. So sure. I read a lot of like written uh, comedy actually, mm-hmm. and uh, prose comedy. Do you remember um, anything specific? <laughs> I, know, I know, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. is
1: that
4: like, a thing? It, it kind prose of is. Yeah, no, sure. that it, sounds absurd. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh... Let's see, what in particular... I guess I should figure out, like, who has actually influenced me at some point. So, <laughs> you can make stuff up. We won't know. You know, I mean, like, Monty Python, I, was, I really liked... To, I used to, be into a lot of absurdist kind of stuff. But, uh, um, you know, um, a lot of Mel Brooks stuff I was really, really liked a lot... Uh, and in TV, like that's the thing. Like, there were, I, I didn't even know the show Alf existed, which some of you may not know existed, but that was like a long running thing. Like, someone at TV uh, in, in high school was like, Oh, yeah, I saw Alf. Like, what do you think of Alf? And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> number one, it was like, um, but uh, but that sort of really being interested in it being this forbidden fruit kind of made me very interested in television, want to watch it all the time, so um. <laughs> but I, I don't know
3: what are your guys influences and I'm sure it'll jog my memory <laughs> yeah. my big, one of my big ones was my dad was British and we watched Monty Python I mean oh still God. is British how cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow. and I'm the opposite of you guys by the way <laughs> so you got to watch nobody's TV. gonna remember this term because everybody's too young but I was a latchkey kid remember, oh, <laughs> I that. when latchkey. I was in Ooh, kindergarten just called kids. I, know you I was too actually I was a when kid. I was a kid in kindergarten and my brother was in I think 5th grade maybe I was in 1st grade and he was in 5th grade Like, we would just walk home from school together. We had our house key around our neck, and we (laughs) went home, and we did basically whatever the F we wanted to until my parents got home. My mom decided to go back to college. She didn't trust the pockets. Are you kidding me? (laughs) 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 And so we were just let into the house, so I'd just watch TV from the end of school. And
1: and what was the stuff that was on that you were... taking in.
3: There was one cartoon about a kid who could... uh, Chew, he had this chewing gum that would let him breathe underwater. I think it was called Marine Boy. What? Um, and uh, a lot of weird Japanese like, stuff was on in the middle of the day. Um, but there wasn't that much on. There were three channels. Yeah. There was not that much on, so I'd watch Whatever. I actually remember calling my dad at work and saying Nixon resigned because I had just seen it on <laughs> 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 TV. <That's all crazy. laughs> and, um, and Steve Martin albums. Oh, uh, yeah. He was obsessed with Steve. Yeah, endlessly, endlessly played those albums. I didn't get half the joke, <laughs> but I loved those albums. I listened to them endlessly. And, you know, I guess as I got a little bit older, like Cheers and... and uh, those were kind of right as I moved here. Those were picking up and... Moonlighting. I remember loving Moonlighting.
1: Um, I don't know stuff like that. Good. It's a good answer, uh, Rebecca. What was what was the stuff that you were getting excited about? Uh, you know, and when spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. When you were uh, considering yourself an artist of all kinds.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you mean like? Well, I mean, I don't know. if Drama. I mean, I think comedy. There's like a real. Um, Like stuff that you should read, I mean, know about. Like, there's a real common vocabulary in terms of references in comedy. And people are like, people will be like, say some random thing, and like, everyone goes crazy, and it's from a Steve Martin thing or whatever. Like, everybody knows this stuff. And in drama, I don't think it's as um, useful. Maybe people do, like, and part of it is that I didn't know this stuff. Again, like, I wasn't really allowed to, I think we were. Um, Yours I'm, is
3: like who shot Jr. Like that.
2: yeah, but see, I didn't know. But, you know right,
3: exactly. I've got to get into drama. <laughs>
2: I didn't want to. I mean, I I would like. So I didn't. We were also like not allowed to watch TV, or we were, like had various like rules implemented at various times. And it was like you can only watch the news. Which now I see the news, and it's like oh my god, nobody should watch it. it's like horrific. But um. But uh, and and I would lie and say like oh we're supposed to watch this show for you know social studies and write a paper about it like I was always like trying to get into the TV or and we would watch it and then like you know uh, the TV would like heat up and you would try to like cool down the TV with like ice before your parents got <laughs> home or like, oh, like, like we were like
0: we
2: were like very sneaky but um but but did I have a profound like experience No I remember seeing Twin Peaks and being like. Like acting really, really weird. Like, I like, like I remember like going up to my room and like looking at myself in the mirror. And, like, like, whatever, like being really strange and like, and, and then like worrying like would it wear off? Like, like so, um, but I and I, but most of <laughs> you, not. You know, but um, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I. Colombo was a huge um, thing for me, and I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, they must have been reruns, I don't know um, uh, yeah, like sometimes a new one will come on, but I, like if I ever turned on a TV and I still well I don't, because when you turn on a TV now it's like a robot like asking what you want or whatever, but when it used to be this sort of like crapshoot of whatever. what you'd get and like you'd turn, it's like a, you know open a prize and see what it is or whatever a Jack in the Box or something, or Jack whatever, anyway Cracker Jacks, but um, I Columbo, I would turn on a TV and be like oh I hope it's Columbo I hope it's Columbo like anytime we're like you're in a hotel like that was a place where like TV was more what was it about Columbo for you that was oh, it was a great show it was a great show if, if, we watched if that. you don't know you have not seen enough Columbo because it is so good I mean Peter Falk is a genius I later had the absolute blessing to get to meet him and like um, uh, hang out with him and and, and, and um, uh, bo- bo- both in college and then later in, in life I got to know him and he's just like he was amazing and and, and I think it was him I think it was like um, character and seeing a character you know obviously a very charismatic and and gifted actor but um, the idea of a character being on TV and like a very strong person who was made up well and then Peter Fogg is like not unlike Columbo it's always he's like is he a genius or is he like not all there, or, you know, honestly, <laughs> both, or whatever, but, um, so he obviously was drawn from the actor, but it was a character that was created that was on TV, and, and, um, and there were stories that were satisfying, and, like, he, you know, rich people tried to get away with shit, and he <laughs> came in <laughs> in his raincoat, and they underestimated him, that <laughs> he was, and he was funny, and then he took the rich person down, and then, at the very end, he takes the rich person down, but, like, there isn't, like, a... Shooting or a horrible, like, violent, mean part, which I'm, like, you know, a drama writer who's like, yeah, no violent drama, but but instead there's this, like, amazing, soulful camaraderie at the very end of a Columbo where the rich person whose hubris has gotten them into this position and and whose underestimation of the, like, working man has fouled them up along with some tiny technical detail about, like, typewriters or wine corks or whatever
0: now sees eye to eye with Columbo
2: and there's this quite beautiful moment where like they're like you know respect like like it's like I see you Columbo and like you know we're two human beings and honestly like I am honestly I have goosebumps like it's like it's true though it's like it doesn't you know being rich is not the key like we're both humans you know I'm going to jail for life. You're like (laughs) off to a new case in your bad car, but like we're two human beings, and like so. I guess that show
4: had it was a good
2: story. It was an amazing actor, and I think that's something like you know you learn to really value uh, you know working in TV. It's like this is different than a book or something because it's 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 conveyed through these you know conduits or whatever. Amazing actor, but then it was about humanity so I think that's what I think humanity and Columbo is what made me
1: (laughs) I feel like we should leave it with that do you guys have any questions this question is for Rebecca I guess Um, Gilmore Girls is one of the shows that really affirmed my ability to want to write I was curious about
4: what it was like to be in a room when the creator had left because you were really doing the last Uh, season with, with David Rosenthal so what was that like Taking the show to the end, really, without uh, Amy Palladino.
2: You know, it, it was weird. I it, like. It's a very weird thing when you're writing um, a show, and in, and in, in it's especially if it has such a sort of idiosyncratic voice, like like that did, or like Buffy did. In a way, you're channeling the creator, and you're trying to write in their voice, and um, uh, the fact that she wanted to stay. And, like, I, you know, I don't know the negotiations and the money and all that, but, like, the fact that she wasn't leaving because she was, you know, off to climb a mountain or whatever, but because they couldn't come to a negotiation, it wasn't entirely amicable, did feel a little strange because you're trying to channel somebody who actually wants to be doing it. So there's, like, a little, you know, like, um, what is it? Simulacrum? Like, what are those people? Like, it's like... It's a little phony, or like when 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 like Miss Piggy's face change on the Muppets, like that. I watched that as a child, but or or like a new, they put in a new actor. Like there's a little feeling of like, um, we're very close. We're doing exactly the thing, but are we almost overdoing it because we're so much trying to do the thing that it was or whatever? And like, oh, you know, I think energetically, like it creates a little bit too much of a slightly on the nose quality because you're going like, this is Gilmore Girls. This. Is a thing. This is Amy's voice, and whereas like real Amy's voice isn't worried about being Amy's voice, so um, it can be more free-wielding. So uh, you know, it was it was pretty much the exact same job. It gave me an opportunity, you know, to sort of become more um, valuable and, tr- and try more things. But it also, uh, you know, feels a little like a little eerie,
1: a little weird. Well, while we're on the subject, uh, we should talk about Buffy for a second. Uh, when Doug Petrie was here, he <laughs> likened it to going to school at Hogwarts. It was.
2: <laughs> he is such a nerd. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> uh, but
1: between the things he learned and the positive attitude there, what what was your experience there? Uh, you were still a fairly young writer, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. This is like your first regular job.
2: Yep,
1: yep. Uh, so, so how how was it for you?
2: Uh, you know, it was great. It was great. Again, I it, I think honestly i was ambivalent enough about tv that had i not worked with judd and paul and then just i you know if I, I think if i was on a some crappy show or you know hacky thing or where people didn't care i probably would be an amazing fashion designer and like that but i but i, I, but I um you know it, the the thing that i valued then and i've over the years have come to really really value is just somebody's um, passion for something and and to to work um with a showrunner who you know, cared so much and didn't ever go like ah, it's just TV or whatever you know, maybe like at three in the morning as he was like shaking, he'd say that, but it' was like in quotes, like he didn't ever feel like that. he really, really cared and and that made us all really, really care and made me think like, oh, this is something to care about. So mm-hmm. I, I think for me, um, that that was that was great, and it was fun because it was the same group of writers, really small, and like got to know them really well, and um, uh, yeah, you know, it was, that was it was, it was all good. Uh, before I mean, we all
1: good. Right. mostly good. Very good Be, very before good. we we wrap up, just jumping off of that, I'm I'm curious from Mark and Greg uh, about working on a show that maybe you don't care about, or maybe you think is kind of hacky, or, you know... to you guys
2: about being a hack. Well, no, especially, in, you know, because
1: you guys have been guns for hire. <laughs> you guys have been guns for hire a lot, you know, as so many writers have to be. Um, and in a comedy room, you know, if you don't respect the comedy, how do you play it? Maybe you haven't had that experience. I don't know. That. Well,
4: working in late night television, like, I mean... You, you just just have to be very prolific because they just you need jokes like endless jokes. Like at Letterman, I mean, you know, on any piece you see, there'll be. I mean, sometimes we do ten passes, which means you know each person would come up with like maybe you know fifteen jokes each pass. So each person in a single day, just for one piece, would be generating like you know a hundred and fifty jokes just. To, you know, yeah. so you just it you you becomes just like a skill you know so you have to enjoy just generate generating jokes my brother Danny actually worked for Leno for a long time and and he's it just you 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 get the ability and you have to to spit out jokes mm-hmm. and you have to enjoy that and see each one as some even if it just is never heard and just you know dissolves into the ether sure. it's like you have to enjoy that and so um, I guess like you know if you're getting paid like they, they pay you they pay you really well at all levels so it's like you, kind of, you enjoy the writing of the jokes and and all, but I think really caring is is a very important thing like you have to um, you really have to have a point of view of some kind and like that's ultimately what everyone is interested in I think there really is a desire on on everyone's part to do something artistic you know something that's actually good and so people who who you know you can sometimes shows are just bad but they you know. Whoever made them probably still cared about them to a considerable extent. And those shows that are really bad are the ones where no one really gave a, gave much of a, of a crap. But um, but yeah, I mean, you really have to care, I think. Or, or your work just really stinks and you probably don't last very long.
3: But it's, har- it's hard to care when you're on a show, and I've been there too, where it's very clear, A, that no one's watching it, and B, that the people at the studio and the network don't like it or believe in it, or have just started backing away from it because it's not being watched and then you're you've still got and they don't have the heart to pull the plug and you don't you know part of you thinks you know what just fucking end it then what are we doing like why are we even doing this which i was in a position of that one time and my wife reminded me that there's 200 and a little bit more than 200 people getting a paycheck every week because of this show and you're like okay Then I won't be that the guy who says just end it. But so then nobody cares, and you—it's hard to care. But that's when it—it's got—it can get really fun because then it's just like, well, they're not going to give us any notes. I mean, they're going to let us do pretty much whatever we want, so does anybody have some crazy story idea that, you know, and you just do weird shit, and you do stuff that just makes you laugh, and maybe it won't make the audience laugh, and you don't really care because you don't have the audience anymore because it's $5,000 to bring in an audience anyway, so let's save the money, and they're not laughing, so why have them? It's like, and you just kind of go, and you just do it for your yourselves and because nobody else is really watching it so um it can be fun and it's hard but there's a point where it just becomes really hard to care and be passionate about it Mm -hmm. because it's clearly dead nobody cares so just have fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) um starting with mark and then going down the line what are you watching on television these days what are you watching in the movies what are you reading what's getting you excited or inspired to write
4: um I just watched uh, House of Cards, which is yeah, great. I can really good. It. It. Yeah, yeah, it's terrific. <laughs> yeah. Um, and
1: uh, did you did you marathon watch them, or did I you? I did. You, you know, know, that's the
4: thing about iTunes and Netflix. Like, you just marathon watch everything. I mean, it's it's kind of the disease, you know. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I guess I really should get the all the the cable networks. But it's so you know. What's up? Well, Sorry, I, I
2: wasn't listening to you for a second. Then I tuned in. It was like you should get. You don't have cable.
4: No, well, I, I mean, because I, I'll watch everything at once, but HBO is the only one you can't really stream, and that's that's the. That's very irritating to not have, like, everything up to the minute there. So. <laughs> but I would never do anything, like,
1: illegally download it. Of course, that I would not do that. <laughs> I would
2: discourage you from doing that.
1: Um. Uh, Rebecca, what are you watching? What are you getting excited about?
2: Well, as Greg pointed out, I'm still not allowed to watch TV. Now it's my husband. <laughs> um, half an hour a week, news. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, Pingu.
0: Pingu. Yeah.
2: Um. Uh. 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 I feel like I've said. Oh, girls. Well, I, I would just yeah, say like I would like great. to. Spe- I just think girls is changing TV and, and like I, I have. You know, I, I. I. I don't. It's not like I think everything's perfect. And in fact, like when it's not perfect, I feel a kind of outrage that I, um, because I, I guess I hold it to a higher standard than other stuff. But to me, seeing the first. Episode, the pilot of Girls, particularly before, um, you know, when it was really r- raw and felt like her unique voice so much. I mean, just, it still does, but I feel like it's become up its own thing, which is cool, and, and maybe even more people like it now. But just feeling that first thing was like, like this mix of like total envy, but like admiration that eclipsed that, and then like, oh wow, you can do that. Like the idea that you could write. I don't even know. Like, obviously, her being the star, a woman being the showrunner and then in front of the camera and um, directing and having the sort of I don't know what it is that allows her to have that kind of confidence um, in 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 every possible way, you know. But in her in her in her own voice was uh, for me kind of revelatory. And seeing it was just like. Like, oh, like, I could have done that. But then it's like, no, you couldn't. Like, at 25, I did not have the, like, um, guts, uh, but also the ability to see outside myself. Like, I was living that life. I was feeling those feelings. I was writing stuff, but I wasn't able to write about myself at that age with that kind of self-awareness, nor do I ever expect to, um, you know, it's not like, oh, well, now I could you know. Uh, I, I could do that. It's it's such a it's such an amazing thing. So 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 girls is girls is kind of. Um, big. It's a funny show. It's great. It's a great show. Greg. Do you want to weigh in on girls? <laughs> what I watch?
1: Do you want to weigh in on girls first? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we can take listen, this out. To- I am
3: uh, <laughs> I am equally impressed with her and all that she does for that show. As I am impressed with Louis C.K. Oh, yeah, and Louis, all that he amazing. does in his show. Um, I watched also the Pilots of Girls. My reaction was a little bit <laughs> different. <than that. laughs> um, and to be honest, my response to that show was, and I didn't say that loud, but just in my head, I was like, this isn't for me. This show is not made for me. I don't understand this show I am not supposed to understand this show Why I would want to watch a spoiled girl Complain for a half an hour And then take her clothes off Like I was like this just isn't This isn't for me So I only watched the pilot I didn't get it Because I'm kind of dumb Maybe or I didn't have the kind of that kind of life Or I had no touchstones With what she was going through Seemed like she just wanted her parents to give her money so she could write, right? Isn't that what it was? So I thought, nobody fucking gave me any money to write. Jesus so Christ, what do you need, a pen and a pad? Why are you asking these... Po-? And I was, I'm was i a parent, I have kids. Shockingly, my kids are way closer in age to her than I am, by the way. Um, and I was just like, don't come to me and ask for money. I hope my kids don't. Like I would. Anyway, so I had a different reaction to girls, but that's fine, and I understand why people... I understand, I'm sorry. I understand that people like it. And um, uh, I don't get it. It's not meant for me. It's not written for me. It's written for other people. And those other people love it and enjoy it. And I embrace and celebrate that.
1: What, what are you enjoying?
3: My favorite show, the best comedy on television, in my opinion, is Portlandia, which is the funniest. Nothing makes me laugh out loud more than Portlandia. I absolutely love that show.
1: What is it about Portlandia uh, the that you song of that is respond so, to? My it. wife makes me play That's it the twice when song. we watch
3: it. I watch it with yeah. my son, because it's so fucking insane because I look at it and I go, I could, I can't think up any of this shit. Yeah. I, my mind doesn't work that way, so I'm fascinated that, that his mind does, because they're both of them, are just geniuses. Like, everything they do. And I love, because of Monty Python and... Mm-hmm. and uh, and Kids in the Hall was also a big influence on me early on, right? I love Men Dressed as Women. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. It's funny. I did not, you know. I know they tried one at ABC, and it wasn't maybe what they hoped it would be. Um, but in sketch, that,
1: there's a proud tradition.
3: In sketch, there's a very proud tradition, and I, I just love it. Like, put a bird on it. Like, I would never. How could I think that up? Like, I just don't know where they come up with stuff like that. And the the mayor is genius. and... Uh, and I just, I just, I just love them all. I love the bookstore. Yeah. I love the, when she met, who played her son? Uh, I want to say it was like Bobby Moynihan. You know it's the lesbians did, who own the bookstore? Yeah. I think I it was Moynihan. It was Moynihan who came in and she's, and Fred Armiston dressed as woman is talking about how she had raised him. I, look, I raised you gender neutral so that you wouldn't have any shit like that. I just love it. I love that show. That's my favorite. That's, I love The League. It's I think The League funny. is a great That's show. A um, I do play fantasy football, but I don't think that's why I like the show. I think it's just genuinely because it's dirtier and it's, it can push a little bit more. And, and I really like that. For the most part, I don't watch any other comedies just because I'm worried that I'm old now and that like a joke will sink into my head and I won't realize where it came from and then I'll pitch it. In a <laughs> and uh, it could happen. And then I get in big trouble.
1: Did you check out uh, Key and Peele or The Croll Show?
3: uh yeah i love those i love key and peel what did we just watch me and my kids watch endlessly was the east west bull sketch (laughs) jesus we watched that so many times if you
1: guys haven't seen this it's still floating around everyone's the best
3: it's all it is is just you know how they introduce the players before a football game or any sporting game let's meet the player and these names are the so fucking funny i can't even remember the ones we were using uh but anyway, my kids love it, so I also watch stuff that my kids like too. Because my my younger one really enjoys Portlandia; he gets it somehow, and I don't know how. Um, and I love Game of Thrones. I love. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I love. Uh, uh, what else? Mad Men. I love watch that. I feel like there's a bunch of Downton. <laughs> Downton
0: I, I, I
4: love how there seems like there's so much reality in in TV these days. Like even in the game show, like Game of Thrones, it's a. Uh, it's so it feels like a real a real world you know and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah something like Girls it's all yeah it, actually that's something that's sort of interesting it's like TV will like suck all your personal experiences out of you and you know and, you trans- and, and you'll sell them to millions of people watching <laughs> I mean like and I think that's happens you know it's like so Lennon Dunn I mean I, I think that show totally brilliant and you know it's and it's amazing how raw and real it is because she's still probably kind of real living it. But like with a lot of these shows and um, in Portlandia too, I mean that's about like real
3: people's experiences. I'll, yeah, and I'm from I'm from Seattle, so like they're not that di- different. Cities. <laughs> really, oh yeah, they, and they, a they get rivalry it rivalry right. between Seattle and Portland. Yeah, I love that's a rivalry way. between the two, but like. The brunch, the line for brunch, brilliant, (laughs) the organic, that, how organic is it? I'd love to meet, I'd love to meet the farmers, (laughs) and they just leave in the middle of the lunch. I think we want to meet them, and they go and drive, (laughs) and they take shit so far. Did you see the Battlestar Galactica one? Yeah. Like, you just, every scene you saw, you said, well, that's obviously it, that's as far as they're going to go. They hired some guy to write it, and then they got the cast? It was insane. (laughs) They just keep going. (laughs) It's relentless,
1: Rebecca. I don't know why you're not watching it. I've
2: got to say, I've got to try because I watched yeah. the first one. I was like, "This is not for me." I didn't, but <laughs> I, mean, I sort of did because I was like, "I." These are all jokes about a place. Like I, I understand these are the stereotypes. Like they almost felt like, um, you know, like a little um cartoon in a local um paper that you'd read that when you were traveling. Was like, so it's like. Um, so, but I I can hear hearing that I can feel like almost like how the in- intensity of it becomes funny or like the like relentless going after in that same direction in, in maybe multiple ways so I'm, I will check it we'll out. have you back after you check it
1: yeah, out yeah. <laughs> please give a round of applause to our panelists <laughs>
2: thanks to everyone here
1: thank you for the best time comment and